A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, Be watchful, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man traveling abroad. He leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work, and orders the gatekeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore. You do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or in the morning. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all. Watch. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we all say, what up, everybody? Note to self, now that we've got a full chancel, we've got to move the candle over a little bit this way, okay? Because I thought about moving it just a second ago, but then I had a nightmare of like burning the whole place to the ground, so we're going to leave it there, okay? All right, happy heaven, everybody. we got the blue up, Pastor Carlos said. We've got the candles up. We've uh, got, I think, a couple little Advent calendars for the kids in the back. It's time to begin the wonderful countdown to baby Jesus. And what we do in, in, in church is, right, we have these Sundays of preparation for Advent. And the theme for the first Sunday in Advent usually every year is this. The way the kids would put it is this, is don't get caught sleeping on Jesus. Okay? So, in other words, that was really terrible. Pardon me, man, for that. Um, in other words, this. Um, stir yourself out of your spiritual apathy and wake up to God. Right? That's what the reading was about. Right? Stir up your heart. Activate your soul such that when the Lord comes back, you're not asleep at the wheel. Right? Because so, th this is the fundamental belief of Advent, right? This first Sunday of Advent, according to the gospel text, is that at root, deep down, are like, you know, the base of who we are is to actually lean into spiritual apathy. It's to actually put the things of God aside. It's to eschew God, to not be grateful, to not be thoughtful, to not reflect on the power and the grace of God, but instead to just take it for granted. And so today, the reading says, and all of Advent says, wake up, man, be on watch, get ready, because remember the three comings. It's not just getting ready for baby Jesus at Christmas, it's also about the final coming of, God, of Jesus in like his final glory and judgment. That's a big part of Advent too. And so this is what we're going to talk about. There's a, a guy named Walter Brueggemann. I think I mentioned him before, he's an Old Testament theologian scholar, and he says this, he says, the job of the prophet, and again, Advent has a lot of these really powerful prophetic texts of the Old Testament from Isaiah and others, the job of the prophet is this, is to do two things, is to comfort the afflicted, right, so what does that mean, so like if you're hurting, and you're in pain, and you're like, like in a season of darkness right now, and you just like, you got nothing left to give. Hearing me say to you, like, wake up, wake up, like, it's not going to wake you up, dude. It doesn't matter. We could shake you and shake you. If you're depressed and down and you don't think God loves you and, and like, you're fighting in your family and you're just in the season of darkness and, like, you just, then, that, then, then you need comfort today. The word for you is not, like, you wake up. The word is, like, rest in Jesus. And some people need to hear that. Some people are so afflicted and so hurting and so beat up and down and out, dude, like, you just feel for them. The word for them is not wake up. The word for them is rest in Christ because Christ is with you and he's going to care for you, right? I feel like there's some people like that in this room right now. 
If that, that, that's a word for you if you need that. But the other part of it is, is this. Comfort the afflicted is the first one, but the second word is this. Afflict the comfortable. Afflict the comfortable. And so I see people smiling. Uh, does that mean you're afflicted or comfortable? Probably comfortable, maybe. I, I don't know. But, but what it means is this, is that if you come to church and you lean into your spiritual life and your Christian faith and your religion and you're like, man, I'm, I'm good, I'm in cruise control, my life is going great, dude. I just got this promotion, I just got hooked up over here, I'm stoked, everything's great. Your life is not what we would call afflicted, your life instead is like going really good. And if that's the case for you, the word is different. The word is not so much like, you know, the, 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 the love of Christ is here to comfort you. The love of Christ is here to grab you and to shake you awake and to say this is not a game and to say this religion that we live our life for is everything. It's everything or it's nothing. If this is all just fun ceremony and symbol and cute little parades, forget about it. This is life and death. If you watch the movie Tombstone, it's what Johnny Ringo says. Jesus wants your blood and he wants your soul and he wants them both right now. Go watch Tombstone. But anyway, you get the idea, okay? So, so it's kind of heavy, man. Advent has this tinge of like, whoa, Jesus is here to say, wake up and get ready. Wherever you are on that spectrum, welcome to Advent, right? Welcome to what we're doing here. And again, this theme of waking up and being prepared and being alert isn't new to Advent. If you've been paying attention to the parables we've been reading for the past couple of months, it's a super common theme of Jesus all over the place, right? Remember the parables? Remember the bridesmaids? Are they ready? Are they prepared? Do they have enough oil? Remember the ones that don't have enough oil? Bye-bye. What about the tenants? The tenants who've been given this land, and what do they do with it? Are they grateful, or do they just take it for granted? What about last week, the, the buried treasure? The week, a couple weeks ago, the buried treasure. Do you take the treasure, and do you try to like get to work and share it, or do you just say, I'm just going to hold it in fear? Or the wedding banquet, or all of them. The, the, suffice to say, it's this. It's Jesus is coming to us and saying, be on guard, be ready, be alert, wake up. And, and, and so the question is this, are we ready for Jesus? And are we ready for what he's about to bring? And this question isn't just for us. It's actually what the disciples in the gospel ask Jesus, right? He asks them and then he asks, then he goes back, they go back to them and they see Jesus, you know, what, what are you all about? See, the gospel of Mark in this chapter right here is apocalyptic. It's about the destruction of the temple and the disciples go to Jesus in private away from the big crowds and they ask him like a real deep question. They get like in the weeds. They say, Jesus, tell us about the end times. Like in the end, what's it going to be out? Like that judgment stuff? What is it going to be all about? And to give you context, I'm going to read some of this. This is beginning, if you've got a Bible on your phone or you're like, if you're real like hardcore and you brought a Bible to church, if that's you, dude, you win for today. God bless you. But if you've got it on your phone or just listen right here, verse 5. Same chapter, a little bit earlier. This is the setup. This is the context of today. So the disciples say, tell us about the end. And look what Jesus says. He says, watch out. This is what it's going to look like. Watch out that no one deceives you. Because in the end, many are going to come in my name, claiming I'm he, and will deceive many. So, okay, so what does that mean? All that to say is like, there are people that are going to call themselves Christians that are going to say they're doing the right thing, but actually, what are they going to do? They're going to trick you, dude. They're going to grab you and twist you. They're going to manipulate you. So, right, you ever known anybody who's part of a community or a church that's a little bit controlling, a little bit vindictive, a little bit manipulative? That's what this is. That's what Jesus is saying. And then he keeps on going. We're talking about the end of the age, or the end of it all. And then Jesus goes on. He says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Nation is going to rise against nation and kingdom 
against kingdom. You turn the news on, man? Check. <laughs> right? I mean, like, dude. And he goes on, he says, there's going to be earthquakes and famines. Uh, you know, we don't, not too many of those, but you get the idea. These, he says, are the beginning of the birth pains. So, and if you know anything about labor and delivery, you know, you don't, you usually doesn't just like go from zero to 100. It starts with a little bit of Braxton Hicks, and then you know pretty soon you got to get ready in your full dilation. I can't take that image too far, but you get the idea. Okay, it's going to take a while. We're starting. And then Jesus says this in verse six, seven, you must be on your guard. Be on guard, man. Get ready. What does it mean to be on guard? Like, be ready to fight. Be, be ready to, like, like, step up, dude. Step your rep up. And he says this, you're going to be handed over to councils, flogged in synagogues. You're going to be handed over. You're going to be beat up in church. Because of me, Jesus says, you're going to stand before governors and kings as witnesses. When you are arrested, by the way, not if, not if you get arrested, but when you get arrested, brought to trial, don't worry about what to say. Just say whatever's given to you, for it's not you speaking, it's the Holy Spirit. Like, dude, rely on the Spirit. I know Lutherans, we're not so big on the Holy Spirit, man, but we, we believe that God will give us the words. God will provide for us in hard moments. You're walking in a dark season right now, right? If, you need, if you're afflicted and you need comfort, hear this word. The Holy Spirit is here to give you peace and to pour over your wounds his love. Like, you need to hear that. This time out, by the way, off script. The holidays, like, we forget every year. Like, this next month now, depression, anxiety, like, all the stuff, the bad stuff. It goes up, not down. People get more sad at this time. Why? I see people choking up right now. Because you remember, this person died. That person died. First Christmas alone. Right? So, so here, the Holy Spirit's here to give you the peace that you need. Right? Whether it's in here now or you're going to get flogged for following Jesus. The Holy Spirit's here to give you the words. And then Jesus goes on. He says, brother will betray brother and father his child. Kids are going to rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Where's my kids at? Listen, dude, be, be cool, kids, okay? Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Which is like, dude, no pressure. No pressure. You better be standing firm, man. We need some grace in here, right? And then, and then this is the text for today. This is the line right before the reading for today. But about that day or hour, in the end, right, no one knows. Not even the angels, nor the Son. Jesus doesn't even know. Only the Father. And then we get the word for today. Therefore, all that's the setup for this. The gospel we just read. Be watchful. Be alert. You don't know when he's going to come. It's like a man. Here's the story. If the analogy is this. He's like a man traveling. He's going to leave his home. He's going to leave his servants in charge. By the way, we've heard this story like a million times in the parables, right? And what happens most of the time when Jesus tells a story, when a dude goes away, what do, the, what do the guys at home do? Do they get it right or do they screw it up? Exactly. When the cat's away, the mice are playing. So he's, it's like he's doing this on purpose, which is to say, guess what? I told you 10 stories about how they're going to mess it up. What do you think you're going to do? You think you're going to get this figured out? Of course not, man. You've got to rely on God, right? And then he says... And he, tell, he orders the gatekeeper to be on watch. And so he says again, watch, therefore, you don't know when the Lord of the house is coming. E evening, midnight, morning, we don't know. So all that to say, watch. Be alert. So what does that all mean, man? Three points for today, really quickly. Three points that this text, I think, is trying to hit us, trying to grab our souls. Again, maybe it needs to comfort us. 
Maybe it needs to afflict us in our comfort and our apathy and our just presuming that we are locked in with God because we run through the motions. Wherever you are, three things to think about. Number one, we got to wake up. we got to wake up to God. And yes, we, we draw on the grace as the energizing force to do that, but still, we have to wake up every day and say, God, be with me. Give me the strength. You know, We're called to be spiritually on alert right, and to be attentive to the things of God. Here's the thing. I'll say this. I feel like every generation, every culture throughout the history of the church, this is hard. It's hard to be attentive to God, to the things of above, right? Because we get distracted in, in the things of our world and our life, and we just put it to the side. Um, I, there was a guy named Pascal, and he said this about Christians in like the 14th century. He said, humanity's problems stem from his inability to sit alone in a room. You ever heard that? Man's biggest problem, like all of our problems come from what? that we can't just sit alone in a room by ourselves. I can now, dude, I got my iPhone, I'll be there all day, dude, I'm straight. That's not what he means. What does he mean? He means, can you like grab some time to just turn everything off and be in solitude? And by the way, you know what happens when you're in solitude? You cry out to God. So if we would only learn how to be alone in our, in our rooms and pray and connect to God. Now here's the thing, we live in an age I mean, age of distraction. There's a million names for our age, but maybe that's the biggest one. Mikey, the intern, is reading a book right now called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. That's like nerd out alert. Go talk to him about how this, in our culture, we lionize and aggrandize distraction to such a degree that we don't know how to be human, man. we're We're just always something. I'm ADHD on max, as you can tell clearly, okay? And like, it's hard to just sit still. And I, I think what, what this wake-up call is this, is to remember, like, the distractions, eventually, if you let them, they'll take over your soul. At first, they start a little bit, and then, you want a homework assignment? If you got an iPhone, go home and look at your iPhone when you get this afternoon and check that report that it gives you. See how many hours you've been on your phone. I see people, like, going like this, like, yo, dude, like, I told you, man, listen to them. Uh, but again, all that to say, it's like, wake up, just be aware of it, right? Uh, uh, that's the first part. The second part is our culture is not just distracted and unable to sit alone. Moreover, I think this culture could be described as one, and you tell me if I'm off, where it's all about immediacy and now and instant pleasure and instant gratification and instant this and whatever I want and really truly it's all about eating and drinking and being merry because tomorrow I die, YOLO, so let's have a good time. Am I off? I think that's accurate, right? And so the the fancy words, again, we're hitting it deep today. The fancy words are this in philosophy. We live in a culture and a world of materialism and hedonism. Materialism, not as in like, like, you know, like uh, I want to go buy stuff, although that's a big part of our culture as well. But materialism in this sense, all that is the world is the stuff of matter. So materialism says this, you don't got a soul. You barely feel anything. All you are is just a product of space and time and evolution and just keep on working hard and thrive and succeed and you'll figure it out. To which the church says, we have a counter-narrative. We have another story to tell you. So it's materialist, and then here's the other one, and this is the big one, hedonist, which is to say instant pleasure, instant gratification. Let me just feel good, man. Whatever it is, just hit me right now, just let me feel good and that's all I need. And again, don't think of this as like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which it is that, but that's too easy. Remember, this is a soul check day. 
What are the things in your life that you think are important, you think you need to do, but you're actually wasting time and you're just seeking immediate pleasure in the moment because you can't be alone with yourself? And so all of that to say, Jesus says, wake up and confess, by the way. This is the beautiful thing about a liturgical church. Come in here and lay it out. We give you opportunity every week to, to like name it and claim it and say, God, I give it to you. And in that moment of silence, you say, Lord, I'm giving it to you now. So wake up. Number two, how about this? Bow down. Number one, wake up as the Advent word. Number two, bow down. Bow, so, yeah, a word we love as Christians, submission and obedience. Ah, right? But I think this is a part of it. I really, really do. And I don't mean just like in some archaic sense of like bow down to the church or to Jesus and the hierarchy and the authority and let me be, not think for myself. But I mean this. Bow down to the Lord, of course, like Christ the King Sunday last week, right? He's a king, dude. You better bow. By the way, Revelation says you can bow now to Jesus or you can bow later, but one day everybody's going to bow. You feel me on that one? Right? You see, amen. Anybody with me, man? Are you guys tracking at all? Is this hitting at all? Okay, so bow to Jesus, but also this. Like, be humble and bow to God's ways over your ways. What I mean by that is this, is that if we think we've got it figured out, if we think we kind of know the next you know, step of the story, we are like underestimating the power of God, right? Like, like, like in terms of when Jesus is coming back, we don't know when this is going to happen. So don't pretend that you do. But by the way, th this is why a lot of like, uh, uh, there's a lot of churches that spend a lot of time and energy trying to tell you like what's going to happen in the end, in the end times, right? The fancy word is eschatology. Everybody say eschatology. I got like 10 of you. Good job. Okay, so... The point is this, is in the end times, a lot of churches spend a lot of time focusing on that. Because what they, again, I don't want to go too deep, but they read Revelation and they say all of it's literal. There's got to be a thousand year reign here, and then the, Jesus got to come back before or after, depending, right? And then they track all of it there, and they kind of get lost in the weeds. And I would say this, we, right, and I think Advent is teaching us this, we don't know when he's going to come, dude. We don't know. He's going to come, but we don't know when, so we don't... Waste that much time and energy and breath because we'd rather focus on this thing. The word for today, be ready because he's coming any day. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will. And so this is why we got, this is Advent. We got to be ready. And by the way, Jesus is unpredictable. Never forget that. The first Christmas, nobody saw coming. You know that. There was like three dudes from the east, a couple, like some magicians from the Orient. They show up. Other than that, everybody's surprised, man. Nobody was like, yeah, we tracked this one, dude. We saw it. Nobody saw it. Like, it's a surprise. So, like, be humble to that unpredictability of God. Frederick Buechner says it like this. Those who believe in God can never be sure of him again. Once they've seen him in the stable, they can never be sure of where he's going to appear again or to what lengths or depths of self-humiliation, he's going to descend in pursuit of humanity. Do you feel that, man? What he's saying is like, we can't call the shots. But what we know is this. We don't know the next page of the story, but we know how it ends. And that he loves us. Okay, man. Are you with me, man? Anybody? So that's the main thing. Okay, so what do we got here, man? We're wrapping up. Don't worry. Wake up, bow down, and then this one. Stay ready. It encapsulates the first two. I know it's kind of weak. But I couldn't think of anything more clever to say, but you get the idea. Be ready, man. Be prepared. And so during Advent, we are asked to kind of prepare our hearts for the long coming Messiah. For come, that, we're going to sing it next week. Come, thou long expected Jesus. 
right? Born to set thy people free, right? This is what it's about, to prepare for that coming of, of that Messiah. And so here's the thing. This is what I mean when I say stay ready, be ready. Um, what do you do, though, if you want to be ready and you want to make room for him in your heart, but you're so full of everything else, you've got so much stuff in your room, you can't find a spot for baby Jesus. What I mean by that is this metaphor. Like, this is the analog. Back to the comfort thing. What if your life is going so great that the words and the ways of Jesus are just kind of secondary? You see, this is the key to Christianity. Christianity only makes sense for people that realize they got to be down and out for the gospel to make sense. Let me say that again. If, you, if your life is so great, dude, if your life is so wonderful, by whatever metrics you analyze it, you got money in the bank, you got a dope car, you got a good house, everybody's happy, everybody's good, there's no losers on any side of your family, and everything's wonderful, dude, and it's perfect, the gospel ain't going to make sense to you. The gospel will never make sense to people that are all squared up. Because if you ain't sick, you don't need a doctor. And see, this is the, way, the one place I'd press against, like the established, again, I feel like I'm preaching really long today. I'm sorry, I'm just feeling the spirit, dude, okay? Anybody with me at all? Maybe a couple people, I, I'm here still anyway, so it doesn't matter, okay? So here's the thing, the one established Protestant tradition of like the biggest thing is this, is hear, hear me, is that we've been in power and had status and control so long that we've built our churches up on people and lineages that don't know suffering because we got fat checks and dope buildings and cool robes and with all that comes status and money and power and you don't know what it's like to be least and last and lowest. And I would say Advent is here to grab us, dude, and grab me, dude, and grab you and shake you and say, don't you dare think that. Don't you dare think that you're better than anybody else, right? So make room. Be ready. Get prepared. And see, this, again, one of the, I just mashed our tradition. Let me, let me lionize it now. The great thing about being a part of a liturgical church like this is this, is that even when you can't do this stuff, dude, I, I can't wake up, dude, I tried. I can't bow down. My knees hurt. I'm old. I want to stay ready, but I'm just, I got too much stuff going on. You know what will carry you through? The ritual and the habit, which is to say this, is maybe you don't feel it some days. If you, you know, if you only came to church and said your prayers when you felt it, we'd be empty, prayerless society. This is what I mean. Let the discipline and the ritual and the ceremony carry you to God. We had this guy named Ronald Rollheiser speak here Thursday, and this is the last note, okay? He came and he spoke to the college kids about, about prayer and about contemplation, and he gave a wonderful talk. Talked to Mikey about it and some of the young kids that were there. And he gave us his time, and he was gracious. And you know what he said? He talked about this, that in your prayer life, you'll notice there's often going to be times and seasons of desert, which is to say this, when it's hard for you to pray. When, and not, and like, not even like, like, you know, like closing your eyes, like, like you just do it, and there's nothing there, and nothing comes out. And you know one of the things he said in terms of like a piece of advice, which was so great? He said, if you can't say anything, man, you just show up. You just kind of do it. And so for us, the church, making this connection to Advent and to the coming of the Messiah and checking our own souls wherever we may be today, like you showed up, man. That's half the battle. You showed up. And so the, again, maybe you're not in the ritual and the ceremony, but this is what I love, is that the ritual and the ceremony and the habit will form you. So those days you don't know what to say, guess what? Maybe you remember uh, the Lord's Prayer. 
Or maybe you remember the parts of liturgy that we've been doing for thousands of years. To say this, to say, God, I don't know what to say, dude. I'm tired. But let me just go through it. Oh, this pops back into my mind. I love this. When people are dying, you'll be amazed. Right? It happens all the time. Like some of your, like people in this room right now, your spouses, your parents, we go with them when they die. And they forget their own children's and wives' and husbands' names. But the minute we say the prayers and close our eyes, you know what happens? They start clicking into it again. And so here's the thing then. Let the church carry you. The church, Jesus Christ, is on your side. Christ is here. Amen. Christ is risen. Amen. And Christ is coming again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.